Hallelujah, Jesus. God is doing some amazing things in our local assembly. Amen. Amen. There's nothing better than just resting and relaxing in his presence, just fellowshipping with him, just worshipping um, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Um, he's so worthy to be praised. Um, if you were not able to be here last week, I encourage you just to catch up. This is a, a, a two-parter. Um, but maybe just as a, as a little bit of a catch-up session. Uh, so last week we looked at John chapter 15, verse 1 to verse 11, where Jesus declares that he is the true vine and we are his branches. And he says a whole lot of stuff there, but what he keeps saying is, if we remain in him, and if he remains in us, ultimately we will bear much fruit. We also looked at... Um, I guess we can call it the equation or the calculation um, of, of us remaining in him and what that equates to, what does that equal to. And you and I remaining attached to Jesus equates to us producing much fruit. You and I straying away from Jesus equals us producing nothing at all. The Bible says that he himself, that's Jesus, existed and is before all things. And in him, all things are held together or hold together. Uh, what this literally means is he's the glue that keeps you and I together. So in the same way that the true vine brings together and pulls together um, all of the different branches in the very same way, Jesus holds us all together. As diverse as we are, as different as we are, um, he pulls us all together, he knits us all together. He's the glue that keeps us together as a local assembly. Amen? We also looked at and spoke about the importance of remaining in God's word. So even as we remain connected to the true vine, uh, there are a few things that also are required of us. And one of the things that, that Jesus speaks about in that passage of scripture, he says, he speaks about uh, us remaining in his word and his word remaining in us. We looked at the man who's depicted in Psalm 1, whose, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and on that law and on the precepts and on the the teachings he habitually meditates day and night and and he will be like a tree that's firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit or that is fruitful or productive in its season its leaf does not wither and whatever he does he prospers and he comes to his full maturity we also said that abiding in Christ makes it Im makes impossible things possible hallelujah Abiding in Christ, remaining in Christ, remaining connected to the vine makes impossible things or seemingly impossible things possible. We looked at the lives of David, Joseph, and Job as examples of how God can give you the victory in seemingly impossible situations. We also ended off by saying that we should be doing all things in Christ and as unto Christ so that in all things God may be glorified. Okay, so that's just a little bit of a catch-up session. Um, if you were not able to be here last week, I encourage you uh, to make sure that you, you do some catching up uh, during the week as well. Amen. And so we continue this morning. And one of the first points that I'd like us to kick off with is discipleship, a key characteristic of abiding in Jesus, who is the true vine. Discipleship. 
a true or a key characteristic of abiding in Jesus who is our true vine, our source, our source of nourishment, our source of refreshing, our source of strength. We were praying this morning um, as, a, as, a, as a band and as a praise and worship team and, and we, were, we were all just collectively feeling that, you know, they, 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 there's, a, there's a, a need for us to draw strength, supernatural strength from, from our, our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords, the one who created us. Because when we, we, when we find ourselves in a situation where we are weak, uh, that's when his strength kicks in. When we're weak, that's when he is strong. Amen. So let's go right into it. Hallelujah. John chapter 15, reading verse 8, reads as follows. My father is glorified and honored by this. When you bear much fruit and when you prove yourselves to be my true disciples, according to the Amplified Version. So when you bear much fruit and when you prove yourselves to be my true disciples, my father is glorified and honored by this. God the Father is glorified and honored when we bear much fruit and when we prove ourselves to be his disciples. The word disciple here means a learner, a pupil, or a student. So when we prove ourselves to be his pupils, his students, those who are learning from him, a disciple is a follower of Christ, someone who learns from Jesus how to live like Jesus. So if I say to you, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, what I'm saying to you is, I'm learning each and every day as I open up his holy word, as I, as I fast and pray, as I spend time in praise and in worship, as I go into my closet, my closet space, my closet time, my secret time, my war room time, as I fellowship with him, as I commune with him, I'm learning more and more each and every day from him how to be more and more like him. In other words, when Jesus was here on earth, he did and spoke. He did and he spoke only what he saw and heard his heavenly father do and say. We've, I've, I've quoted that scripture quite a, quite a few times in this assembly. Jesus, when he walked on the face of this earth, he said, I only do what I see my heavenly father do. I'll only say to you what he tells me to say or what I hear him say. So in other words, I don't speak my own words and I don't perform my own actions. I'm under complete submission of who? Of my heavenly father. He only did what he saw the Father in heaven do. He only said what he heard his heavenly Father say. In the same way as a follower of Jesus Christ, as his student, as his pupil, as his disciple, I will only do, or I ought only do, what I see Jesus do, and say only what I hear him say or tell me to say. You see, I've already been created in his likeness. In the beginning, after everything else had been made, God says, let us create man. And let us create him in our likeness. So, step one has already been concluded. 
No matter what you think about yourself, no matter what you think about where you've come from, no matter what you think about your history, your background, where your people come from, what your culture is, who, who you take after, who you look like, we, each and every one of us sitting here this morning, we've all been made already in the likeness of God. Step one, complete. I really look like him outwardly now I need to work on my inside now I need to get my inside to match my outward likeness of him and it's a choice and the reason we're sitting here this morning is because we've made we came to a crossroads you and I at some point in time at some point in our lives we came to to, to the point of making that decision for me I was in standard six I don't know what you call it now I think it's grade eight right so I was in grade eight when I made that decision I came to that crossroads and I said there's got to be more to life than this there has to be more than this it can't be that I just live eat drink and die there has to be more to life than this and I made a decision in grade eight to follow him as my lord and my personal savior it's a choice that I made I chose to be a disciple, a follower, a pupil, a student of Jesus Christ. It's a choice that you and I have made. A disciple is one who serves others. A disciple is one who serves others. We all want to be fruitful. We all want to be that branch connected to the vine that produces much fruit and abundant fruit and it's shining. We all want to be that branch. We all want to be served, but very few of us ever want to do the serving. Very few of us ever want to do the serving. We often find certain activities to be beneath us, even when we are not necessarily outspoken about it. We may not be so blunt and so blatant as to say it, but deep in our heart of hearts, we actually feel that, ah, oh, geez, ushering, it's a little bit beneath me. Geez, coming here half past seven in the morning, what are these guys thinking about? Don't they know who I am? It's a little bit beneath me, guys. Like, seriously, I'd love to be a part of it, but ish, serving, you guys do what on a Friday? What? You go, what? Ignite, what's that? And then you have to be there at, oh no, guys. You know, I'm just happy just to be there, guys. Just, you know, just, I, I'll be there. I'll show up and you guys just serve me, you know? Just, just wash over me, you know? I'll, I'll be there, I'll be your support system. I'm very happy to, to be served. But very few of us ever take the step of being the one who serves. What we do not always realize is that if we want to lead others, we have to know how to serve. If we want to lead others, we have to learn what it is to serve because leadership is service. First and foremost, leadership is service. John chapter 13 and verse 5, reading from the Amplified Bible. Jesus, 
the passage of scripture is the scripture that depicts Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Verse 5 reads, Then he poured water into the basin and began washing the disciples' feet and wiping them with the towel which was tied around his waist. Jesus, the Son of the living God, the only begotten of the Father, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. He goes on his knees he takes a towel and wraps it around his waist. He takes a bowl of water, a dish, whatever you want to call it. And he sits where his disciples are. And one by one, one by one, King of kings and Lord of lords, El Shaddai and Elohim, one by one, he starts to serve each and every one of his disciples by washing their feet and drying their feet with the towel. Verse 8, Peter says to him, You will never wash my feet. That's probably, when you look at it at a first glance, you probably think, you know, that's, that's quite an arrogant statement to make. But the truth be told, I mean, if I was ever actually in that situation where literally Jesus, real, real Jesus, is really in front of me, like really Jesus, Jesus, turning water into wine, that Jesus, and I can touch him and feel him, right? That same Jesus. And then he tells me, take off your socks and shoes. I want to wash your feet. In all honesty, I'll probably, I'd probably, you, you know what I'm saying. I probably wouldn't be 100% okay with it, right? I'd probably feel a little bit of discomfort to say, I mean, that's, that's the same like the late Nelson Mandela coming and saying to me, listen, Stuart, I hear you, you, you know, you're struggling uh, with, with sorting out your backyard and you're not really, you don't really have green fingers. Me and myself, personally, I'm the type that likes garden work. I'd like to come, if you don't mind, I'd like to come dig in your garden and I'd like to just come uproot some of the, I can see there's quite a few weeds. I hope you don't mind. You can Exactly you can. what it means that discipleship is first and foremost all about service. And if you're not prepared to serve, and if you're not prepared to allow me to serve you, then I can't have anything else, anything further to do with you. Because the relationship that we're in, I'm trying to instill servanthood inside of you. I'm trying to get you to understand that no matter how fruitful you are, you need to understand that it all begins with service, with serving Unless as believers we are prepared to serve one another, we can never claim to have any part in one another and any part in Jesus. It's service to each other that shows that we are in this together. That we are one. Simonye, we are one. Hallelujah. Simonye, we are one. United, Manchester United. We are united, guys. We are, we are united. Hallelujah. 
We are united. You know, I, you know, I've suffered so much abuse, guys. I just, you know, this is just a, this is just my time of healing. You know, my team has been performing horribly in the past few years. You know, you know, I've been hiding my T-shirt. You know, and I've been, I've been under my breath saying, "Yeah, I'm a Manchester United supporter." You know? But man, ah, we've hit the ground running. Yeah, we've hit the ground running. Yeah, four, 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 four. We are in this together. We are one. We are united. We are a family. We are part of each other and part of Jesus Christ. And so that means I'm never ever too high and mighty, too exclusive, too far removed from you that I can't get down to where you are and serve you and understand what you're going through and understand what you need you know oftentimes our brothers and sisters in christ the people we sit next to in the pews in church on a sunday morning very often sometimes they're just going through something that doesn't need prayer it doesn't need intercession all it needs is for steward to serve them problem solved all it needs is for me to step up to step into the situation and say how can i help you how can i do for you because i know that it's been done for me before how can i be of service to you not which demons can we kick which which devils can we chase under the table how can i serve you it's as simple as that we are brothers and sisters in Christ and we ought to realize that first and foremost we are called to serve one another Mark chapter 10 reading from verse 45 and I'm not even going to say it anymore from the Amplified Bible for even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many so if you want to know how Jesus did what he did, what did Jesus do? In this situation, what would Jesus do? For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, did not come here to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus makes it clear that he didn't come down to earth so that he could be treated like royalty, even though he actually was. He didn't come to earth to be treated like royalty even though of everyone else on planet earth he deserved it the most to be treated like royalty as king of kings there is no king on earth that ever was that is or that ever will be that can ever claim to be as royal as he was and he is nobody else would have deserved that kind of treatment more than him but that's not why he came he came to serve. He came to be of service to you and I. John chapter 13 from verse 14 and verse 15. So if I, the Lord and the teacher, remember he's our teacher, we are his pupils. So if I, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet as well. It means the same in Greek, Hebrew, and Afrikaans. You ought to wash one another's feet as well. For I gave you this as an example, so that you should do in turn as I did to you. We can go home now. That's exactly, that's all I want to say to you guys. We're done. That is it.
If your, if your master, if your teacher does this as an example and he says to you guys, listen guys, if I as your master can do this for you, then my expectation is that you will be able to do this for each other as well. Don't let me come and find you guys refusing to serve one another. If I, as the Prince of Peace, as the King of Kings, as the only begotten of the Father, am prepared to serve you, don't let me ever find you in a situation where you're not prepared to serve your brother or your sister in Christ. Do for each other the way that I've done for you. Amen. Jesus is the Lord and the teacher. We are the pupils and students. We must serve one another with the same attitude as Jesus served his followers. We must serve each other with the same attitude. I don't want to dwell on attitude, but it, it bears mentioning. You can do the right thing with the wrong motive, right? You can do the right thing with the wrong attitude, with the stank attitude, as the Americans would say. You can be doing what seems to be right, but your attitude is right. So it bears mentioning we ought to serve one another with the same attitude, with the same humility, with the same love as Jesus served those who followed him. Amen. A disciple is one who treats all with goodness. We're talking about discipleship as, as a branch attached to the true vine Jesus requires of me to produce much fruit and to prove that I am his disciple. A disciple is one who treats all with goodness. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. So then, while we as individual believers have the opportunity, let us do good to all people. So then, while we as believers have an opportunity to do good to all people, to do good to all people, while the opportunity presents itself, let's do the good that we know we ought to do. I find it interesting, and I keep going back to why we have the opportunity. Why we have the opportunity. Because the opportunity, the moment, often comes and goes. Right? The opportunity to be of assistance to Jimmy can come, can go as quickly as it came. It can be gone as quickly as it's come. So there Jimmy is telling me that he needs A, B, and C. Jimmy, I know you're cool with me using you as an example. So, so <laughs> if not, he's going to beat me up, but it's fine. But... So there Jimmy is in need of assistance and he tells me the situation that he finds himself in. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I think, I think this thing, before, before I actually step in, you know, before I step in, I actually just want to, I think I just need like a 60-day prayer and fasting, you know, before I actually step in and assist Jimmy, you know, because, because maybe, you know, maybe God's dealing with Jimmy, you know, I mean, Jimmy's got some bad habits, you know, so, so I think I just need like a, like a, a 60 days of prayer and fasting and, and travailing before I can, I can offer the service that I know I'm able to offer. 
It's not a question of whether I can or can't, whether I have the ability or not. I know that I can. I know that I've got the ability. I know that I've got the answer to his conundrum. That's not the question. I'm just thinking, you know what? Let me just wait a while. The scripture says, while we have the opportunity. So after my 60 days of praying and fasting, the opportunity has come and gone. And I'm no longer able to assist where I could have assisted, where I should have assisted, where I should have served. Let us do good to all people, not only being helpful, but also doing that which promotes their spiritual well-being. The first portion of the scripture up until that point speaks about us doing good to all. Born again or not, saved or unsaved, it doesn't matter who it is, righteous or unrighteous. Let us do good to all, not only being helpful to them, not only being that one that, the one that everyone can always call upon in a time of need, but also doing that which promotes their spiritual well-being. And for me, it sticks out like a sore thumb because to me, if I'm in a situation where I'm able to help someone out and I know that they don't know Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior, then that for me is Jesus creating an opportunity, an opportune moment for me to, to be of assistance, to step in, to help them out and also sow a seed and also speak to them about Jesus it's not that it's conditional it's not that I'm saying to them listen if you want my assistance first and foremost you need to you, you need to get born again I'm not making it conditional but I'm, I'm using it as an opportunity I'm saying of course I'll help you of course I'll be there Saturday at 4 I'm there don't worry I'll be there with my van I'm gonna be there don't worry don't make another plan. Don't make plan B or plan C. I, 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 I'll give you my word. I'll be there. I'll help you out. But while we're doing what we're doing, I don't know what we're doing. We're cutting down a tree. We're fixing a light bulb. I don't know what we're doing. We, 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 we're changing a tire. While I'm there rendering service, rendering assistance, I'm also using that as an opportune moment to witness to this person, this individual who I know doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior. Does that make sense? Amen. The second half of the scripture goes on and says, and especially be a blessing. Everybody say, be a blessing. And especially be a blessing to those of the household of faith born-again believers. So the scripture starts off by saying, do good to all and assist wherever you can. Don't miss an opportunity to do something good for someone else and especially be a blessing to those of the household of faith. In other words, to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Especially when it comes to Jimmy. Especially when it comes to Jimmy. I mustn't miss my moment. I must not miss my opportunity to be a blessing to Jimmy. Because he's not someone out there. He's, he's yeah, he's, he's local sheep. Amen. He's part of this local assembly. When I see an opportunity to assist someone here in this local house, I mustn't even, I mustn't even think twice about it. I must seize that moment. I must seize that opportunity to be a blessing to that person. Why? Because they're part of the fold. They, they're born again believer. They're part of the household of faith. 
I must seize that moment and serve where I can and be a blessing where I can. The scripture entreats us to do God, to do good, sorry, while we have the opportunity, meaning the opportunity will not always be there to do good. There's another passage of scripture that says, He who knows the good that he ought to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. S-I-N. To him who knows the good that he ought to do and he does not do it, you've sinned. Yeah, that's the Bible. Shoot straight. If you know you ought to be doing good and you don't do it, you're sinning. Just to small rabbit trail, I'll come right back again. I think it was two weeks ago we were praying into this 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 travesty is not is, is not the right word injustice is not the right word it needs to be something harsher than that it's 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 demonic really uh, the abuse that's that's taking place in our country against women it's 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 vile it's satanic it's demonic um, it's something we need to we need to literally stand against in our quiet times in at every single opportunity that we get to stand up against men who are being abusive against women we need to take that opportunity with both hands because it's demonic it's demonic and it's gripping our nation it's a, it's a demonic attack against South Africa as a nation. We don't want to become known as a nation of women abusers because there are nations that are well known for that. They wear that tag. And thinking about a specific incident that we all know and we all heard about, it, 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 it was... It was it was shocking, it was sad, it, was, it, it made me angry to know that there were people who were in that situation watching that guy doing what he was doing, being physically abusive to that woman. And they had an opportunity to step in, they had an opportunity to do good, they had an opportunity to intervene. And a lot of people in that place just stood and did nothing. They just stood and they watched what was unfolding and they folded their arms and they did nothing. To him who knows the good that he ought to do and does not do it, congratulations, you are sinning. Moving along, I said it's a small rabbit trail. Our good doing is not limited to a select group of people. The scripture says that we should do good to all people. I like that the Amplified goes on to expand on the nature of the good that we do. That we should not stop at rendering assistance and being helpful, but also promote people's spiritual well-being. And by the way, that also applies to us as believers. Promoting each other's spiritual well-being. The scripture says one comes with the psalm, one comes with the hymn, one comes with the tongue, someone else comes with an interpretation of that tongue. All of that is done for the edification, for the building up of the saints, for us to be edified, for us to be built up, for us to be strengthened. And even when it comes to us um, in our go groups, that to me that's the most opportune moment for you to have an opportunity to, to, to promote the spiritual well-being of someone else in this local assembly. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. If you're not in a co-group, please join one. It's important. It 
really is important. You get to do life together. You get to know people more closely, more intimately. You get to connect on a deeper level that you're not able to do that, that the service and time on a Sunday morning just doesn't allow. I encourage you this morning, get connected, get hooked up with the Go Group this, this week. Make it your priority. Amen. Make it your priority. Amen. 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 The scripture goes on to, to emphasize the importance of putting, I call it putting family first. I call it putting family first. Because it says, especially be a blessing to those of the household of faith. Although we do good to all, we take special care to take care of our brothers and sisters. We put family first. A disciple is one who loves the way that Jesus Christ loves. That's my next point. A disciple is one who loves the way that Christ loves. John chapter 13 and verse 34. I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. So you too are to love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you too are to love one another. There are different words in the Greek language for the word love. There are many different words in the Greek language for the word love. In English, we just have one word and that word is love. But the one that I'm interested in is the word agape love. Agape love or selfless love is love extended to all people whether family members or distant strangers. Agape or selfless love is love extended to all people whether they are family members or whether they are distant strangers. The scripture says while we were still sinners in brackets distant strangers Christ died for us he demonstrated agape love toward us while we were still distant strangers while we were still doing our own thing walking our own path he he didn't say or, or, or hold back the opportunity to come and die for us for the remission of our sins even while we were still doing what we were doing, hopelessly lost, heading for a lost eternity, heading for eternal damnation, while we were still the broken version of ourselves, he was still willing to come and display agape love, selfless love towards us. C.S. Lewis refers to it as in inverted commas, gift love. The highest form of Christian love. Agape love is selfless, sacrificial, unconditional, immeasurable love that is able to cover a multitude of sin. If you're still not sure what type of love agape love is, let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians. 
We all know this very, very well. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 to verse 8. Love endures with patience and serenity. A lot of us have this on our wall, or actually our mothers at some point in time have probably put, had this up in our homes, on our walls. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful and is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. Underline that if it applies to you. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked, nor overly sensitive and easily angered. Rather just don't say amen. Let's just get through it. Because if you say amen, then people are gonna just let's just let's just go. It does not take into account a wrong that has been endured. It does not rejoice at injustice. It doesn't rejoice when women are being abused, beaten up, and mistreated. It doesn't rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes, believes all things, looking for the best in each one, hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times. Love endures all things without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades nor ends. But as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for the gift of special knowledge, it will pass away. But love endures all things. We're talking about loving the way that Jesus loves. It is this love that Jesus demonstrated to his disciples and which he wanted them to emulate that identifies you and I as disciples of Jesus. John chapter 13 and verse 35 says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples. This is how they will know. If you have love and unselfish concern for one another. You want to know how people are going to know from the outside looking in that, hey, these guys are different. There's something about these guys. Something tells me these guys are followers of Jesus Christ. You know how they're going to know? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. 1 John 3 and verse 23. This is his commandment, that we believe with personal faith and confident trust in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. We've done that. We're already there. Amen. And that we unselfishly love and seek the best for one another. That we unselfishly love and seek the best for one another, just as he commanded us. So we've gotten halfway, thanks be to Jesus. We believe with personal faith and confident trust in the name of Jesus Christ. Now what's required more from us is that we unselfishly love and seek the best for one another. I can't be happy knowing and seeing my brother or my sister in Christ 
not actually reaching their full potential because there's something inside of me that must want to see and seek the best for him or her. There's something inside of me that burns a desire, a longing to see Raquel reach her full potential in Jesus Christ. There's something burning, something deep inside of me that says I'm going to be uneasy, I'm going to be restless, I'm going to be unhappy. I'm, I'm actually going to be in, in, an, in a place of, of unease until the day that I see Cindy reaching her absolute maximum potential. And when she reaches her maximum potential, you know what's going to happen? Something else in me is going to say, Lord, enlarge her territory. Enlarge her tent. Give her more, Lord. She's been faithful with the little father. Bless her with more. Multiply, press down, shaken together, running over, increase, multiplication. Why? Because there's something inside of me, the love of Jesus Christ, the agape love that says to me, I unselfishly want to see you attain the very best. I want the best for you. As my brother and sister in Christ, I want God's best for you. Amen. To be a disciple of Jesus means to serve like him. It means to serve primarily by looking after your brothers and sisters in Christ. Being disciples of Jesus means being servants who love one another unconditionally. It's, it's, it's easy to say the words, it's not that easy and it's not meant to be easy in reality. The truth of the matter is, or the fact of the matter rather is, that we rub each other up the wrong way. We tramp each other's toes. But even in the midst of that, even, because, even while we're going through that momentary discomfort, that momentary, but why did Cindy do that to me? But what's up with Cindy? Why is Cindy tripping? I know you also don't mind. What's up with what's up with Sister Cindy? This week she's just been man. I don't know. She's just been on some other. I don't know, Lord. But even in the midst of that, I don't stop loving Cindy. I don't stop wanting the best for Cindy. Even in that moment, I still want God's best for her. Amen. It's unconditional love. It doesn't stop when someone else does you wrong. It doesn't stop, guys. It doesn't stop. Irrespective of what anybody else in this local, local assembly does or doesn't do to you, whether they greet you or they don't greet you, whether they remember, they remember your name or not, the fact that we are all in the same household of faith, you lo we love each other unconditionally, even when we don't like one another. We still love one another unconditionally. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Where was I? Being disciples who make disciples of others is a key part of being connected to the true vine. So what are the advantages to remaining in the vine? We read last week, the scripture says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser or husbandman. Essentially, 
our heavenly father is the one who does the pruning right Jesus is the true vine we are the branches and God the father does all of the pruning being connected to the vine means we are always connected to the father being connected to Jesus means I'm always connected to the heavenly father there was a time when sin created such a huge chasm between God the Father and man that our prayers were no longer being answered. There was a disconnect between heaven and earth, between our heavenly Father and us here on earth. But thanks be to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because he came from heaven to earth. He paid the ultimate price. He put it all, laid it all on the line and he redeemed us. He closed the gap. He rent the curtain in two. He gave us free access directly to the Father. As long as we remain connected to the vine. You can't be disconnected from Jesus and still expect to have access to the Father. One of the advantages of remaining connected to Jesus is you will always be connected to the Father. Imagine being able to connect to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords any time of day or night without being worried about it being an inconvenient time for him or without worrying about him being unavailable or too busy or you not being enough of a priority to him imagine being able to connect with, with your heavenly father 24 7 365 being connected to the vine being connected to Jesus means I'm always connected to the heavenly father my words remain in you that is if we are vitally united and my message lives in your heart connecting to the vine means keeping things more than just surface level more than just surface level it means intimacy with Jesus his words become alive and live and dwell within our hearts which means they form a belief that he is who he says he is and he can and will do exactly what he says he will do one of the advantages of being connected to the vine is that his words remain in us in our hearts they live literally live and become alive in our hearts The scripture says he repeatedly prunes so that it will bear more fruit. Another advantage to being connected to the vine is that we are able to be in line to be continuously pruned. Now I know that doesn't sound like an advantage. To some it might even be a very clear disadvantage because we don't like the pruning process nobody likes being pruned being pruned what literally what happens if you've ever watched it if you've ever seen it what literally happens is the vine dresser comes along and those fruit those branches that are producing fruit they're doing well they're doing what they should be doing literally what it comes is what it comes and does is those that are doing good those that are producing fruit 
He comes and cuts them. He comes and cuts those branches that are actually producing fruit. He cuts them and the cutting is painful. The pruning is not easy. It's painful. It's, it's, it's not nice to be rebuked by Jesus. But he rebukes and he chastises those who he loves. It's not easy to go through tribulation and trial. But something new, something fresh, something bountiful, something abundant is developed and produced. Character that sustains us in the long haul is produced during the pruning, the cutting, and what I like to call the Aina process. Because it's not nice. It's not nice to be pruned. But it's one of the advantages of being connected to the vine. The more you produce, the more our Heavenly Father will, because He loves you, the more He will prune you. Amen. And this continu continuous pruning produces more abundant and a higher quality of fruit in that branch or from that branch. We who were once dead in our trespasses and sins are now made alive in Jesus Christ. I want to believe I want to be alive in Christ because life in him is eternal and full of joy. It's unconfined. Life in Jesus Christ is full of peace that surpasses all human understanding. We're speaking about the advantages of being connected to Jesus, of being connected to the true vine. Life in Jesus Christ is full of peace that surpasses all human understanding. The world will never be able to understand, not with human intellect, not even we ourselves, if we use our own logic and our own reasoning, if we were to sit and reason it out from a fleshly perspective, even you and I would not be able to fathom, would never be able to conceive why it is that even though we're going through what we're going through, we have this peace in our hearts. We have this peace in our hearts. The circumstance shows that we ought to be losing our minds. The circumstance shows that we ought to be ripping our clothes off our bodies. The circumstance shows, like it did with Job, that we ought to be cursing God and dying. But we've got so much peace. It's a peace that only he can give. It's a peace that can only come when we're connected to the vine. We who were once shackled by sin and in bondage and in condemnation are now free. And free indeed without any condemnation. The scripture says there is therefore now, present tense, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's a freedom that comes from being able to ask for anything you want and for it to be given to you. There's a freedom that comes from knowing that whatever you ask, that's what the scripture says, right? Ask for anything in my name and it will be given to you. That's what the Bible says. But let me tell you something. If you are a slave and you ask for something, you have no right to receive whatever it is that you've asked for. If you are a slave, if you are enslaved, if you are shackled, you have no freedom. And because you are shackled, because you have no freedom, you have no rights. And because you have no rights, you can't just ask. 
and expect to receive. But because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Because you have that liberty, because you have that freedom, you can ask for anything, any time of the day. And whatever you ask in Jesus' name will be done. That's a sign of freedom. That's a sign that you aren't a slave. That's a sign that you've been set free by Jesus Christ himself. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. One of the advantages of remaining connected to Jesus or connected to the true vine is there's a promise of reciprocity of faithfulness. The scripture says, remain in me and I will remain in you. He's making a promise to you and I that he has got our back. He's basically saying to us, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll always be by your side faithfully. You know what the interesting thing I find about, this, about that scripture is? It says, remain in me and I will remain in you. The truth of the matter is that even when we, being human beings that we are, even when we sometimes waver and falter, and we often do, we often do, because he extends grace to us, even when we stay stray off track, and even when we drop the ball, even when we don't always keep, our, keep up our end of the, of the deal, even then, he extends grace to us, and he says, even then, he faithfully calls out to us to come back home, to come back to where love is waiting for us. And I'm thinking of that other song as well. Beautiful song. Brian McKnight, um, he sings it with B.B. Winans, and I'm not sure who the third guy is. Uh, I'm coming back home. Anyway, beautiful song. Not gonna, I'm not gonna even try. But even when we drop the ball, even when we don't, all, don't hold up our end of the deal, he knows that we're human at the end of the day. He knows that we're striving to perfection that we haven't yet achieved. He knows we're trying, he knows we're pressing, he knows we are, are, are getting there slowly but surely. And he extends grace and mercy to us and still, he's faithful to us, even when we drop the ball. He still calls out to us. We're speaking about the advantages of, 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 of remaining connected to Jesus. We escape hell and eternal damnation by staying connected to the vine. The scripture says they gather such branches and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Speaking about those branches that do not produce any fruit. Those branches that don't produce any fruit, they are cut off, they are gathered together and they are thrown into the fire and they are consumed, they are burned. We know that we literally escape hell and eternal damnation by simply staying connected to the vine. We become vessels of glory and honor to the Father. The scripture says, my Father is glorified and honored by this. When you bear much fruit and prove yourselves to be my disciples, our Heavenly Father is glorified and honored. You and I become vessels of glory and honor by simply remaining connected to Jesus. 
We get to serve one another. We get to demonstrate goodness and kindness to all, especially our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. These are the advantages of remaining connected to Jesus. We get to love one another selflessly and unconditionally because we are able to give of what we ourselves have experienced through the love our Savior has shown to us. We get to love one another selflessly. We get to demonstrate as pupils who've learned from the Master, as those who've learned from walking with the Messiah, we get to actually demonstrate to everyone, but especially to those here in our local assembly, especially to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are walking this path with us, we get to show unconditional love to them. Because as his disciples, as his students, as his pupils, we've sat at his feet, and we've learned from him. We've learned from his examples. We've, we, we, we now do what we saw him do. We now say what we've heard him say. What we've read. What is dropped in our spirits. We are true disciples connected to the vine. Can someone say amen? amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning.